Welcome to Crime Cults and Coffee. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Bryn. And I needed to start off by saying how last week we said it was cold. Well, it is really fucking cold now. I've been in a sweatsuit all day, layered with like four layers, and I am freezing right now. Same. Carson woke me up this morning. First of all, 7.30 a.m. It's Sunday. He's like, we should go take Bix for a walk. I was like, okay, that's fine. He's like, it's really like brisk outside. It's beautiful. Like, it's a beautiful day. I was like, okay. Brisk? Yes. Fucking brisk. So we get outside and immediately my ears turn to icicles. And I was like, what part about this weather did you think it was a good day for a walk? It is the coldest day by far. (laughs) Does he know the definition of brisk? He's like, you know what? It's the wind. Now that you say that, there wasn't wind this morning. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it was freezing. But he got me this early Christmas gift, and I will say – If you are looking for a Christmas gift for anybody that is constantly complaining that they're cold, this is the best thing by far. I'm going to use it every day. Okay, what is it? I might add it to my secret Santa list. (laughs) It's amazing. They're electric, like, rechargeable hand warmers. Ooh. And they're magnetic, so they can go together to make one big thing that you hold, or they separate so you can hold them in each hand. Ooh, that sounds really nice. We went on a hike this weekend and I used them and it was honestly, it kept me so warm. It's crazy how if your hands are warm, your whole body is warm. Yeah. See, I'm like that. I need it with my feet too, though, because I get really, really cold if my feet are cold. Yeah. I'm telling you, though, add those to your secret Santa list because it is like by far the best gift I've gotten in a very long time. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Kels. I'm definitely going to do that. It's funny because Timo always makes fun of me because I sleep with a heated blanket pretty much year round. That is terrifying. So he's like, what happens if it catches fire in the middle of the night? And I'm like, it's one of those that have after a certain amount of time, it just shuts off. Uh So if I happen to like wake up and it's off, I just turn it back on. But last night I actually didn't sleep with it on, but I was so cozy. But I think it's because I slept with three layers of blankets, including a down comforter. Amazing. Yeah. And I slept till 10 o'clock this morning, which I have not done in, I honestly don't know how long years. Oh my God. It was so nice. That's amazing. I crawled into bed last night at promptly eight (laughs) o'clock because I'm an old woman. And immediately Carson turns the fan on. I'm like, are you crazy? (laughs) It is freeze is literally my bones are cold. What do you think you're doing with that fan? He left it on. Ridiculous. Well, it looks like it's past your bedtime right now, Kels. It is. I'm struggling to keep my eyes away. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you want to add or do you want to get into our coffee review? I don't think so. Other than I decorated for Christmas today. No, I did. Oh, no. Because we're going to be gone over Thanksgiving. So I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to do it now. Uh, well, I just can't give up the Halloween stuff yet. I just cannot. I'm still wearing my Halloween socks, my spooky season shirt. Like, <laughs> I cannot. I, I just, I can't transition yet. I took it down. I did. I had to. It was time. I'll be there after Thanksgiving. <laughs> so should we get into our coffee? Yeah, let's do it because I don't have any show or podcast recommendations because I'm still watching the same things that I've already mentioned. So. Same. Same. Yeah. So this coffee was gifted by Ashley, correct? 
Yes. Thank you, Ashley. Again. Amazing. I feel like every time she goes somewhere, she thinks of us and it's the sweetest, most sentimental thing ever. Yeah, and I don't ever want anyone, I'm going to bring this up now because I actually had a listener approach me the other day and she asked if she could give us coffee. And I was like, if you want to, I don't want to say no if you really feel like it's something you need to do, but also don't feel obligated to do that. By no means. Yeah, so we're grateful for it, but... Yeah, by no means feel obligated or like you need to spend money on us and buy us coffee at all. But if it is something that you really want us to try, you could either let us know what the brand is and we'll purchase it ourselves. Or if you really feel like you need to gift it to us, we're just so grateful for it. But we also feel bad at the same time. Yes, but thank you so much, Ashley. It was so sweet. I feel like, like I said, she always thinks about us. So it's very much appreciated. Definitely. So this was another coffee. We had talked about this place the last time we talked about a coffee that she gifted us. It is also from the Cracked Kettle. But this blend is called Seder's Enchantment. Love it. And there's a little description on their bag, so I'll read that. It says, Enchant your taste buds. In fact, let the flavors of this medium roast cast a spell upon you with the perfect blend of peanuts, caramel, and cinnamon with a vanilla twist. Definitely an enchantment everyone loves. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So what are you thinking of this coffee? I immediately taste the cinnamon. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the strongest for me. All these flavors together are some of my favorite to have in coffee. So I really, really like this one. I mean, I think it's very smooth. I agree with the notes that they're suggesting is in the coffee. I love all of those. I'm a huge fan of cinnamon. I love caramel. I love vanilla. But to me, I couldn't really fully taste all of those in the coffee even though they said they were there which is where it kind of lost a couple points or coffee means for (laughs) me to be honest because I took a sip without creamer at first and I was like what am I really tasting here and I think I was also leaning towards a little bit of the cinnamon but then I added a little bit of creamer to it and for me for some reason even though I did not add caramel creamer it accentuated the caramel flavoring or notes yeah, of the coffee for me. So I kind of taste that now. But without reading that description, I probably wouldn't have known those were the notes that were supposed to be in the coffee. Yeah, I, they are a little bit hidden. I, I don't taste most of them. I taste the cinnamon more, more than anything. Yeah, I do not taste the vanilla at all. Yeah. What would you rate this coffee? Hmm. It's tough because I really like the description, but like you said, it's not. I would probably give this one a seven. So I was going to go with a six. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since before I added the creamer, I wasn't really feeling it. And sometimes I do like to drink my coffee black. It wasn't bad by any means, though. Yeah, I would go with a six. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Ashley. We really appreciate it. And should we get into it? Yeah. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us.
So today we will be covering a case suggested by listener Amanda A. Thank you so much for sending in the suggestion for this case. I feel like when people send in case suggestions, it's almost that they feel like maybe it's not talked about enough. And that's really the cases that we love to cover because especially ones from small towns, like they, they need to be talked about. Right. And thank you, Amanda A, because she had sent this one in a good amount ago, but we have to kind of sift through everyone. So apologies for just getting to it, but clearly we were meant to get to it now for a reason. Right. At this point, for some reason. So this case is about Luke Stout. His full name, starting with the background here, like we always do, was Luke David Stout, and he's nicknamed Lukey. He's 24 years old at the time of this event, born July 6, 1988. His mother is Elizabeth Stout. Elizabeth was terminally ill, and Luke and his siblings decided to take care of her, which is a burden that I can't even imagine. And I'm sure it didn't feel like a burden to them, but I I just can't even imagine how hard that was for all of them to go through that. Yeah, and what incredible, incredible children to take care of their mom like that. Yeah. Luke had three older brothers, and he was the youngest of all of them. His mom often called them her, quote, four musketeers. Love that. That is so cute. I can't even imagine having the support from, like, four of your children going through something like that. It must have been amazing. Yeah, and it also kind of shows how close the siblings were as well. If she's referring to them as the musketeers, they must have done a lot together. Yeah. We'll mention his brother Kenny Stout in this episode, so just keep that in mind. He lived in Buckhannon, West Virginia, and this is located in Upser County, which, like I said at the beginning, is a small town. West Virginia Wesleyan College is located here, and it's a very rural area. Lots of forests, rivers, mountains surrounding it, like most of West Virginia. Mm -hmm. There's an active mining in this area of West Virginia and also contains abandoned mines. So lots of open areas like that. He was a carpenter since he was 18 years old. He was known to be a hard worker, loved what he did, and took pride in his work. That's hard to find at such a young age. Wow. Yeah, I feel like he was so mature for his age and so selfless. Right. And going through the things that he went through, I'm sure, taking care of his mom, you know, probably forced him to be a little bit more mature. Right. He was said to be compassionate, poetic, loved animals, free-spirited. And as mentioned earlier, he was devoted to his family. As mentioned, he chose to live at home to take care of his terminally ill mother. When he was traveling for his construction job, he would frequently call his mom to check in on her. Mm. He would also bring things home from her when he returned, which is awesome. He thought Mm -hmm. about her. You can tell all the time. Mm -hmm. He never complained about his living situation, but sometimes posted on social media asking people to message him to talk because he was bored. It's not a typical, you know, situation being the child that's taking care of your of your mom. And, you know, I'm sure he had his struggles with that. Yeah. 
At 16 years old, he got a job to help his family financially. Luke was said to love poetry, art, music, skateboarding, comic books, and video games. He had a lot going on. Yeah, he did. He played the guitar, and he was described by others as a good artist. And he also loved the outdoors. I love how in-depth this background story of him was. I feel like we never get that much information, and there was so much to, to find. I agree, and I was going to say that, but especially in relation to this case, because as we get further into it, people will start to understand why this is kind of shocking that there's so much information. Yeah. And I love that. And I feel like a lot of it was probably put out there by his family. Yeah, I know. Just like in hopes that like people would know who he was and like how he was portrayed. Mm hmm. So July 18th, 2012, Luke was last seen by his mother, Elizabeth, and his brother, Kenny, on this day. He said he loved them and he would be back later. He left his home on Hickory Flat Road. And they watched him walk down the driveway with a green bike frame. The bike frame was broken and Luke had a car but was not driving it at the time. His car insurance had lapsed earlier in the year, so he relied on a bicycle for transportation. So clearly if this bike had issues and was broken, he needed to get it fixed if this was his means of transportation. Right. He had planned to meet up with his friend Dylan to fix the bike he was carrying, and Luke had told his mom that Dylan had the tools he needed to fix the bike. Luke also planned on helping Dylan to fix a bike of his, and then after they fixed Dylan's bike, they were going to fix Luke's. Dylan said he was sending someone to pick up Luke, and Luke was to meet them at the end of the driveway. Mom. He left between the hours of 3 and 5 p.m. that day. And a little bit of description of Luke before he disappeared, like a physical dis description, just in case anyone saw him that day or has seen him since. At the time of his disappearance, he was around 5'7". He was 120 to 130 pounds. He had brown hair and dark brown eyes. He was last seen wearing blue jeans, a black t-shirt with the sleeves cut off, and black sneakers with neon green laces. Which I feel like those wouldn't be hard to miss. Right, especially the laces. Yeah. He was possibly in a brown jacket, and some articles described it as like a brown jacket, but the jacket was on the lighter side because there was potentially supposed to be rain that day. He also wore a silver prayer ring with a turning center. And he had a shoulder tattoo of skulls on his upper left arm. It's very descriptive. Yeah. He has one leg that's slightly shorter than the other with a lower leg scar. And this was due to him having a bone infection when he was a kid, which required surgery on his leg. The Charlie Project also mentioned a burn scar on his leg below his knee, and it was kind of unclear if this is a separate scar from the one mentioned above or if they're one and the same. Yeah, so if anyone hears that description and thinks it may be something that they have seen or, you know, anything, just 
listen further and we'll talk about how you can contact for a tip. So days after the disappearance is what we'll get into next. It's really unclear whether his brothers began looking for him the night he didn't return or the following day. But regardless, they searched the entire town for him. Oh my god, that is horrifying. I just can't even imagine. No. Especially him leaving the house saying like, love you guys, see you later. Be back back. soon. I'm just going to fix my bike and then I'll be back. Right. And oh god, I just can't even imagine. Luke's mom, Elizabeth, also went out to look for her son even while she was severely ill oh my god i can't even imagine that i know some days had passed when luke's brothers found luke's bike leaning against a trailer in a trailer park behind the cvs in buckhannon i can't even imagine what his brothers thought when they came across that no His brothers called the police in hopes that they would quickly come to the scene and question all the residents in the trailer park and even the person's trailer that it was leaning up against. Mm -hmm. But the police told them to basically like, okay, pack up the bike and go home, which I don't understand. No, because even if it was a situation where Luke left the bike there, they could have validated that if someone saw him place the bike there. Right. It's anything, like, especially so early on, like, you want to get as much information as you can. Right, and even customers at the CVS right in front of where this bike was left could have potentially seen someone rolling the bike down the street, drop off the bike, throw the bike out of a car, like, someone could have seen something. Right. They did not want to take a report right away as Luke was an adult. I hate that so much. Me too. Allegedly, they also suggested that he would return. So they kind of like brushed it under the rug like, okay, maybe he'll come back for it, you know. The handlebars on the bike were still clearly broken. Therefore, he did not make it to where he was going to attempt to fix the bike. So somewhere between him leaving his house and saying goodbye to his mom and brother and where he would the bike was found like he something happened in between them that intercepted him from being able to get it to where it needed to be to be fixed right and it's like there's so many questions around that because was he actually ever picked up did he make it to the bottom of the driveway did they not show up and he decided to walk with the bike like there's so many possibilities right did he walk with the bike and dump the bike on his own like there's just so much that could have happened And it's just so much that could have been questioned so early on. That's what pisses me off. It's like, how does, how did nobody question the residents? Somebody in that trailer park had to have seen a bike being dropped off at some point or in the CVS, like you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. So on to the aftermath. Allegedly, the family tried to get Texas EcuSearch to help find Luke because the state slash county police did not conduct a search of the area or an investigation, at least right away. EcuSearch is a volunteer-based search team that works off of donations. Help from this volunteer-based company still has to be approved by law enforcement before even starting the search, though. But... uh... That's infuriating because if law enforcement isn't taking initiative to doing the search, why do they need to approve someone else doing it? Right. Can't someone else just do it if the family hires them to do it? 
Right. And West Virginia State Police did not consent to the help from the search team, which I st- it blows my mind. If you're not going to conduct a search, what is the problem with volunteers helping? Right. And wanting to do it on their own. I mean, yes, I understand if there could be concern with tampering of evidence or Mm -hmm. disrupting evidence or someone doing something that could hinder the process later on down the line. But if you're not even conducting an investigation whatsoever or searching whatsoever, clearly there's nothing for them to fuck up in your eyes because you're not even doing anything. Right. Like, I get that they wouldn't want them, like you said, tampering with evidence, but you're not doing anything. No witnesses slash neighbors have claimed to have seen anything that day. Luke wasn't seen at the end of the driveway or getting picked up. Hmm. So like we had mentioned, it's really unknown whether he got picked up or he was walking or, you know, who picked him up. If that was the case, there's nothing, there's no information. It's like he disappeared into thin air. Right. Which is absolutely crazy because he has to be somewhere. So another really, really strange thing besides obviously Luke completely disappearing is that no one knows for sure who Dylan is. His mom said that he was friends with multiple Dylans, but they don't know exactly who Luke was supposed to meet that day. And no one named Dylan has come forward saying that they were the one meeting up with him. That is so sketchy to me. Yeah. I don't know. Part of me at first was like, okay, is this person's name really Dylan? But that means he lied to his mom and brother about who he was seeing, which I don't really, obviously, we don't personally know him or know motives for things. But I don't see him from what we know, lying about that, like fixing his bike with Mm. a Dylan that he like and making up a name for someone. But at the same time, could this have been one of his Dylan friends and the person isn't coming forward because they know something. Right. It's just so sketchy. It is very sketchy. August 2012, a man's body was found in the area. His name was Joshua Oberg. He had been missing since January 2012. Two men were arrested for his murder, and these men were Jesse Lee Heater and Robert Eugene Siren III. They received $5,000 to kill Oberg. Eventually, Rodolfo Correa Villagomez, a.k.a. Chino, also pled guilty for the murder. He had hired the men to kill Oberg, who had an affair with Chino's wife. He was found guilty of multiple crimes, and these crimes included unlawful entry to the United States, possessing 16 firearms at his residence illegally, second-degree murder, and conspiracy to commit murder. How is this related to Luke's case, you might be wondering? A couple of months before Luke's disappearance, he had an altercation with Chino. Wow. Allegedly, and we're going to be saying allegedly a lot, probably the rest of this episode, because... There really is improved. <laughs> yeah. So allegedly, Chino put a gun against Luke's head and did it hard enough that it left an imprint. And when he went home that night, Luke's mom, Elizabeth, saw this imprint on his head and wanted him to file a police report against Chino. Allegedly, 
the police refused to document this. So there are also two versions to this story between Luke and Chino, and I'm going to read this whole quote from medium.com. Quote, the first version is that of Luke's side. Luke claimed he was assaulted by Chino and no one would listen. It hasn't been officially confirmed if Luke was indeed having an affair with Chino's wife, but it was confirmed that they did know each other. The other side of the story is that Luke found himself in some trouble one night and was arrested. He was drunk when the police brought him in, and he began running his mouth about Chino. He told the police the story of his attack, and the police advised him to come back and file a report when he was sober. Luke never did. So those are the two sides of the story that had been kind of going around with what happened between him and Chino. And police have never commented on this situation. So it's really unknown which one is true. I wish they would have said something. And you think they would because one version makes them look really bad. I know. And it's like, what harm is there now in coming forward and saying like, this side is true. This side is not. This never happened. This did. Unless Um, something else is also being covered up. Right. Luke posted these posts on Facebook May 2nd of 2012. And whether it's related to this situation with Chino or not, no one really knows. But I felt like it was necessary to talk about at least since he had posted them so close. Quote, if a guy and a girl talk, does that mean they're fucking? Question mark. Quote, I will see whoever the... F, he blocked out, fuck, but I will see whoever the F I want. Quote, sick of all these effing threats. And that one made me have the chills a little bit, you know? Yeah. So a reply to the last comment about the threats was, quote, they're not going to do anything, only run their mouths. Don't let them get you down. It's a waste of time to get upset about you to a good person to have to put up with morons crap and I read that straight from the quote so I think it was there was a little bit of a typo in there but I just read it the way it was written right verbatim so clearly there was something going on whether it was even related to Chino or not I mean who knows but there was something going on Mm -hmm. and then the last post was quote drama drama hmm All three men that were arrested for the murder of Oberg have continued to deny involvement in Luke's disappearance. I mean, I feel like almost, and this is is me speculating, I feel like at least the other two guys who were involved in the hit, not Chino himself, they could have used this to their advantage. For like a plea deal or something? Yeah, If they're like, oh, we know where Luke is. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, Chino did the same thing to Luke. Give us less time if we tell you. You know what I mean? Unless they felt that he would then somehow come after them and their family. And if he ratted them out. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there could, again, be two sides to that. But the fact that all three of them are denying it makes people lean towards thinking that they didn't do it. But who knows? Yeah. There were incidents that occurred between police and Luke's family since his disappearance. 
They expressed their frustrations with lack of support from law enforcement in regards to this case. That breaks my heart. I mean, it's sad enough to lose somebody and have them completely disappear. But to feel like you're not supported by the people that are supposed to be helping you during this time, I just can't even imagine how lonely that must have been. Yeah. And some of these incidents, it's really sad because clearly, like, the family was frustrated and there was a definite disconnect between them and law enforcement. In October of 2012, Elizabeth went to a city council meeting to express her concerns and frustrations. And remember, she's very, very sick. Mm-hmm. She begged for more support and involvement with finding her son. At this point, his family believed he had met with foul play. Luke's family was asked to leave the meeting. They were told it wasn't the appropriate place to discuss it. Then where the fuck is the appropriate place, can I ask? Because if you're going to a city council meeting, an issue like this concerns the city. Like, that's a concern that should be had in the city council. Right, and where else are they supposed to go if the police aren't helping them? Mm -hmm. Apparently, the mayor also made a statement about being unfamiliar with the case. Like, how the fuck does the mayor not know what's going on? Right, like you have a missing person in your freaking city, in your area. You should know that this is happening. You should know that people are looking for this boy. Like, you should know every detail about the case as the mayor. Well, eventually he backtracked that statement when he said that the family's version didn't match up with the investigation. So Elizabeth called him out and said, how could you possibly know that if you were unfamiliar with this case? And she's right. And that's a quote from medium.com, by the way. He clearly either wasn't familiar with the case or he was and he was just trying to make it so the family would shut their mouths and leave pretty much. And then he fucking got called out by Elizabeth, which good for her. Yeah. Elizabeth eventually created a Facebook page called, quote, missing luke stout to spread awareness about his story so please check this page out there's lots of information and there's posts i think as of even until 2020 is the most recent one please check it out it has all the descriptive information that we had talked about there's tons of pictures of him there's lots of reposts so check that out yeah i feel like the pictures are especially important too because he did change his hairstyle a lot right so people might have recognized him with one as opposed to the other or let's say he is out there somewhere you know it kind of gives a good depiction of what he could look like with different hairstyles yeah sadly elizabeth passed away before finding out what happened to luke that is heartbreaking It's just so beyond sad. The fact that they even had to deal with this and had to deal with it on top of her being terminally ill. And then her goal was to like find him or find out what happened before she passed. And then she passed away without knowing is just absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. As we record this episode, the whereabouts of Luke Stout is still unknown. It's just I don't understand. How is there not one single trace of him? Someone has to know something. Right. May 24th, 2019, Corporal VJ Piles issued a press release telling the public that law enforcement is still receiving and following leads in the case of 24-year-old Luke Stout. 
That is very recent. 2019. I really hope that that's the case, that they're following leads now. I hope so, too. There have been leads over the years, but none led to anything substantial. And that's clear because we still have no idea what happened to him. I told I was telling Bryn earlier, this case reminds me so much of Tanner Ward's. Of course, there was a lot of things that were different, but there's a lot of similarities between mm-hmm. this case and Tanner's case, which we covered um, a while ago. So I, I just got so much, so many similarities between the two when I was researching this one. Yeah, especially with him leaving and clearly, clearly stating that he was going to be back. Right. And then just disappearing into thin air. So fucking sad. So some numbers and websites that you can contact with information if you have any regarding Luke Stout. You can contact the West Virginia State Police at 304-473-4200. You can reach out to an anonymous tip line at 304-473-4200. 1001. His case number is 3220-14004. And you can submit an anonymous tip at www.wvsp.gov. And as always, we will post those numbers and that link in our um, case notes on our podcast so you can visually see them we will put them on facebook as well because it's hard if you're driving to write this down or sometimes when you hear numbers like when i hear numbers i'm like okay i I can't even pay attention right now i can barely read numbers yeah so we will have those numbers and that information posted for you to visually see and so you can click it so you can copy and paste it if need be yeah and i did want to mention there was also a reddit thread about this case that we didn't go into i just i don't like to use reddit as a as a resource it's a lot of people's opinions and speculation and i don't know if it's things that the family had approved of or wanted or were truthful so if you notice that we don't go into reddit threads that's why agreed yes so please if you have any information Hopefully the right person's listening. Oh my God, I can't talk. Hopefully the right person is listening because someone out there has to know something. Has to. He was walking on foot. He was to be picked up. If anything, if you didn't see him, his bike was dropped off out in the open behind a well-trafficked place. Yeah. Something, someone had to have seen something. And the description of him was so descriptive i mean there was so many things that could have been spotted easily he was carrying a green bike he had neon green laces Mm -hmm. i just feel like somebody had to have seen him that day and didn't think anything of it hadn't heard of the case somehow maybe was traveling through west virginia and didn't think to report it or didn't hear anything about it after they had left I just, I don't know. I hope something comes about this case because I feel so badly for his brothers. They not only lost their mother, but they lost their brother, you know, and there's no closure with this one. I hope at some point they find out what happened to him and that if 
for some reason he has passed on that they can lay him to rest properly. Right. And have closure and do what's respectful that they think is respectful for him. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you have anything you want to add to the end of this? Sadly, I, there's nothing happy to end on. Hopefully it's something that we can continue to update you on. These kinds of cases need to be covered, especially missing persons that there's still no answers or these people can still potentially be found alive mm-hmm. or some form of closure can be brought to the family. But at the same time, they're so hard to cover because there's just nothing. There's just – they've vanished into thin air and it's just so absolutely freaking horrible. Yeah. I don't know what else to possibly say right now. I'm trying to think of something to end on a happy note with since we well, don't have something regarding the case to end on a happy note with. Yeah. I mean, we can talk about our merch, which is still available. We recently released beanies and sweatsuits like a crew neck and sweatpants. And honestly, with the holidays coming up, it's going to make an awesome gift. I wore the beanie the entire weekend because of how fucking cold it was. Same. I've been wearing it nonstop. (laughs) Yeah. They're just so comfortable. And we're not just saying that because it's our own stuff. They really are super comfortable. And we've had multiple people tell us how much they love it. So get them while you still can. And the shipping is about seven to 10 days from your purchase. So just make sure you have enough time to get all that situated before the holidays. Yeah, it's actually really funny. I was at a Friendsgiving last night and shout out Lexi. She had purchased a crew neck and like a tank from us. But she said, I hope she doesn't mind I'm telling this story (laughs) because I was like, this is absolutely relatable because Kelsey and I have been doing the same thing. She said she was wearing her sweatshirt for two or three days and her husband was finally like, um, are you going to wash that? <laughs> and she's like, I have been washing it. I'm just wearing it again. And I said to her, I was like, I totally feel you. They're so comfy. I've been wearing mine nonstop. Same. It's like the softest one I own right now because it's still kind of new. But between that and the sweatpants, I'm like, I this is what I'm going to be in all winter Yeah, I'm currently in a sweatsuit right now. Not ours, but I've just been living in sweats. Yeah. So those are still available for purchase. We also have tanks as well. We have some mugs left. So all really good gifts for the holiday. If you know that people like true crime or podcasts or our true crime podcasts, make sure you snag them before there are none left. Yeah. And as of right now, I think we have about 10, 11 beanies left. Mm -hmm. And those are limited right now because um, unless we need to absolutely need to order more and know we have a demand for them, we're probably not going to be ordering more until uh, next winter, next fall. Yeah. So snag them while you can. Yep. Keep in mind, too, we also still have our morning blend available through Cars Coffee with our collab with them. You could also go to CarsCoffee.com to purchase that. Or we have it linked on our Instagram through our Insta shop. And yeah, check out that blend as well if you know someone who wants coffee for the holidays. Right. I think that's always a go-to parent gift as well. I feel like any parent's going to love a bag of coffee unless they hate coffee for some reason. (laughs) Unless they're like old man Carson and old man Timo. For real, like (laughs) them in 20 years. But honestly, I think it's a great gift for any parent. I'm probably going to grab my dad a bag so he can have it at home. 
And aside from that, shall we get into our spiel? Yeah. So you can find us on Instagram at Crime Cults and Coffee. It's where we post our uh, weekly photos and reviewed coffees that we have done in the past. Also, if you go to the link in our bio, it's our link tree with all of the available listening platforms. So you can check that out. Also, we have our Facebook. It's Crime Cults and Coffee as well. And that's where we post resources and photos from every week's episode. If you want to give a case suggestion like Amanda did for this one or a listener story like we hope to get, <laughs> you can DM us at Crime Colts and Coffee on Instagram or send us an email at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com. Also, if you'd be so kind, especially for the holidays, that'd be a really nice gift. <laughs> you can leave us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts and potentially Spotify if you can figure it out. If you can't leave a rate and review on any listening platform of your choice, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. And this episode comes out the day after Thanksgiving. Hopefully it was enjoyable for you. Happy Turkey Day. That could be a tough one for some people, so hopefully you guys had fun. Yeah, and if holidays are rough for you, you can always reach out and chat with us through our dms yeah let us know we'll be on there we are not licensed psychologists or psychiatrists but we can be a good support system yes we could be friends (laughs) (laughs) and aside from that until next week bye guys bye regarding this case and our resources follow us at crime cults and coffee on instagram and facebook